0: Welcome to Allison's Wonderland. I'm your host, Allison Packard. Join us as we journey through the looking glass and down the rabbit hole into the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Hey, do a girl a favor and please subscribe to this podcast and go on iTunes and leave us a good review. If you like the show, please help spread the word. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much. Do you think a Bruce Springsteen concert could literally change your life? It happened to David Erigo Basically, that one concert changed the trajectory of his career and caused him to want to pursue a career in entertainment. Now, David started in New York doing commercials and dubbing, and now he's in L.A., and his career is taking off. He is Deadly the Dodo on Ridley Jones from Netflix, as well as the new Ferb in Disney's Phineas and Ferb. So join me as I welcome David Erigo This is Allison's Wonderland. David Arrigo! <laughs> Da, 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 dun, dun. Da. Oh, I shouldn't probably sing that. I, then I'm, I'm going to get copyright infringement
1: on this video. Oh, oh, no. No.
0: How are you? I'm
1: doing well. How are you doing? Good. It's good, good, good to
0: good. see you. It's good Likewise. to meet you, actually. Yes, absolutely. First time we met. Big shout out to Ashley Windowit for connecting us Woo! and suggesting that. I have you on the
1: show. Heck yeah. Yeah. So you're a voice actor. I am. Hmm. I do. I happen to be. Yeah. And Uh, you've lived all over. Yes. Yeah. I I was born in North Carolina, raised in a couple of different spots in Florida, high school and college in Montana, moved to Arizona after that, then to Manhattan and then out to the ocean on a Disney cruise line ship and then back to Manhattan (laughs) and then in LA for coming up on six years.
0: Wow.
1: Well, well, welcome. Like really close to six years. Like in August, it'll be six. That's amazing. Amazing! Yes. Are you going to celebrate? Um, Party at the smokehouse, probably. Yeah, smokehouse. Don't I'm leave me sure. hanging.
0: Oh yeah, Jersey. Oh. <laughs> that's amazing. And so, because your family was in the military, uh, my dad your was in the Air Father. Force
1: for twenty six years. Wow! Got did you see Top 19. Gun? Oh my gosh! So good. So okay. I, I, I wound up seeing they did a re release of the original, mm-hmm. and they, they had it over at the Dolby Theater. That's that's the AMC Burbank uh-huh. sixteen. Uh huh. Uh huh. Seeing that movie with that soundtrack on a big screen for the first time with those speakers. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I, I went and I saw... Maverick uh, which just came out shout out to Maverick hey give us some more tickets uh. (laughs) yeah father Um, son
0: kind of relationship Um, was that you Were you? no my dad wasn't a pilot okay
1: so my dad was more of he was something called a first shirt (laughs) for the latter part of his career which is basically like a a guidance counselor for the troops and he helped with morale he helped when people got in trouble he unfortunately you know was who they called when like there was domestic abuse situations things like that he would go and have to deal with his troops and and yeah Wow. so he had a difficult job. Uh, by the end. It's something that he did for like eight years. Mm-hmm. And I think it was while he was still in, but they decided, uh, yeah, uh, you're only allowed to do this job, this portion of the job for a maximum of three years. <laughs> and so like the fact that he did it for eight, it really was, it sort of weighed on, wow. shifted some of his optimism, unfortunately.
0: Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: he became a lot more of a realist. He had seen a lot more of the world. Mm. Mm.
0: Do you feel that moving around a lot help you become a better actor?
1: I do. I mean, it's funny because growing up in North Florida and being born in North Carolina, it's it's funny because I'll think like, oh yeah, if I wasn't thinking about it, I'd talk to you like this. Oh, and, yay. Uh, when Please I was do. little, that was like so many people around me sounded like that, right? And because we were about an hour below Alabama, like I said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear all these people and, and then we moved to Central Florida and people sort of make funny if you sound like that a little bit. And I was like, ah, oh, don't want to sound like that. So it basically helped me to train my ear for yeah. dialects. And that's why I kind of have a neutral or Standard relatively American. neutral, non-regional sort of sound. Yeah. Wow. But you know, you go places and like living in New York, you pick up little funny things like where you, when you're talking to people around you and you hear it and it, it just gets stuck in there. Yeah. Um, and my dad, he's actually from Pensacola, New Jersey, which is like right across the river from Philadelphia. So he's got family members who, who say water and like all of that stuff, all the things you would hear on Mayor of Easttown. Uh-huh. Uh, and when he joined the military, his accent just sort of sloughed off until he's back around people from those areas and then, you know, it'll come out. Having a few drinks or whatever. (laughs) which he's a bartender now. So he's been known to have a few
0: drinks. (laughs) It's by par for the course. Now I kind of heard a story about how you were attending a Bruce Springsteen concert and that was like a pivotal moment for you. You were like this, (laughs) I want more of this performance thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I was, can never remember if it's like 11 or 12 Mm -hmm. and we were living in central Florida at the time. And my dad and I, and another guy from his work went to Orlando to the arena where the magic play or played. I don't know if they're still there. Mm. It's been a while. And my dad grew up, like I said, in Pensauka, New Jersey, right across the river from Philadelphia, where I think if you don't like listen to the music of Bruce Springsteen a couple times a month, they find you. <laughs> May, they do. hunt you down and you will be punished. <laughs> so he was a fan. And I'm sitting there, just young kid, and I, I look at my dad and he has what I have affectionately come to call a shit-eating grin on his face. Ooh. And I watched him for what felt like two to three songs, but if I'm being honest... Your probably dad like, Springsteen? I watch my dad uh-huh. my dad's face I'm sitting right uh-huh. next to him just kind of and it felt like two or three songs probably just one concert version of a Springsteen song because he does have a way of stretching them out <laughs> and I had this thought I went I want to do that for people I want to make people feel that way mm. and that's what sort of brought me toward performance which like the next year I started doing choir and drama and all of that stuff prior to that I thought maybe I would be a comic book artist or uh, people were trying to push me maybe toward architecture mm-hmm. where you like to draw uh-huh
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And so then did you go to college for performing?
1: I did. I did. I, I went to high school in Great Falls, Montana. Did really well academically. So I got to go to school for free if I stayed in state. And I wound up getting a Bachelor of the Arts in theater from the University of Montana, Missoula. Other notable or distinguished alumni include J.K. Simmons. Hey! Hey! <laughs> But um, interestingly enough, great actor. I started out in the BFA program, okay, and I wound up doing a a show with one of the professors. He was the professor of voice and speech, and he directed uh, this show called "The Time of Your Life" by William Saroyan. It was his favorite play, and he was an asshole. Mm. Like I just working with him through this thing, I was like, ooh. I'm going to have to spend the next two years working with this guy if I continue the BFA. And like, he was so bad. We we had a community member in the show and we were like two weeks out from opening and the guy stands up in rehearsal. I quit. Nobody needs to put up with your bulls. You know, F you. And none of you young actors should have to be dealing with this. Either. He left. Like it was that kind of, he was not a nice Did director also for this show. Did some people also put
0: him on the pedestal and love him? Because I feel like there's always like two sides sides to the coin. Uh, Sure. There's like the
1: devotees. There were definitely people, not a lot of people who didn't see what was happening in this show, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but for the program, yes. Strange. But I went to to audition for the mid-programs and like on that day I told them, you know, just pay attention to my scene partner. Don't worry about me. I'm not continuing with the BFA program. And it was because I didn't want to work with, ironically, the voice and speech teacher. Mm -hmm. And now this is what I do with my life.
0: Wow. (laughs) Wow. It's all come come full circle. So how did you make it from college to then voice acting.
1: Short answer is out of college, I went down to Arizona and worked at a theater as a graphic designer and photographer and performed for them at night. I got what I consider like an unofficial master's in theater, just experience based. I did like 11 shows with them over the span of two and a half years or something like Fine. that. And then also some children's theater and uh-huh. just stayed very busy. And then I moved to New York. And while I was in New York, oh gosh, I'm doing the short version. <laughs> there, there's some stuff <laughs> in between wound up back in New York and And got a manager, manager takes me over to Paradigm to this guy, Doug Keston. And Doug's a big theater guy and he was an on-camera commercial agent. But we talked a lot about theater and I talked about having done a production of Avenue Q. I had this, you know, that like the Live Strong bracelets, like I've got the B. Brad one in honor mm. of Brad Venable. Rest, mm. rest him. But I had one that said, sucks to be me, Ave Q Phoenix. And I wore it for a really long time because it was a reminder that I could do things that scared me. Because when I, when I got hired to do this production of Avenue Q, I had never puppeteered before. Wow. And I did... Nikki Trekkie and a Bad Idea Bear. And we wound up getting taught by Rick Lyon, who was the original Nikki Trekkie Bad Idea Bear and the designer of the puppets and everything like that. Phoenix Theater brought him out and he taught us how to puppeteer. And I was terrified. And then we open and reviews start to come out and they singled me out for really strong puppeteering. (laughs) And so I used that as a reminder that I could do things that scared me. Mm -hmm. And I told that story to Doug, comes over to me around the desk, grabs me by the shoulders, walks me across the office, sits me down in front of another guy named Matt Smith, who I think is now uh, an agent at uh, KMR. He's not at Paradigm anymore, and he just says, "You two talk." And Matt was a voiceover agent, and so oh. Paradigm started bringing me in for auditions. I remember like McDonald's <laughs> spot about French fries. There was Miracle Whip was getting into a bunch of different sauces, like they had a zesty, tangy oh. sauce or something like that. So
0: not character stuff, <laughs> not initially. No. just
1: bringing me in, and it made me go, "Oh, oh, uh, they're gonna they're gonna let me do this without being on Broadway first, or without." Being a movie star? Oh, that's neat. <laughs> and so I sort of started pushing in that direction and studying in earnest, reading books like uh, Voice Over Voice Actor by uh, Yuri Lowenthal and Tara Platt. Uh-huh. I like that book so much. I'm actually a testimonial in the second edition. Aww. And then listening to Talking Tunes with Rob Paulson, mm-hmm. which I consider my cartoon university. In oh, New wow. York, I would run by the river uh-huh. and just listen to an episode. I owe Rob so much. And then VO Buzz Weekly, mm-hmm. you know, great way to learn. The <laughs> From people who were not actors, right? You get the producers, directors, Mm -hmm. voice directors, agents, whatever. So a ton more information. So I'm like cataloging all of that information. And at the same time, I wound up signing up for Voice 123, which is an organization that I actually kind of do not care for. I don't I don't like the pay to pay structures.
0: Yeah, I I have. They were sort of before my time, Mm. I guess, or after my time. (laughs) Um, So I'm not too familiar with them. But I know they sort of polarize. Some people are really pro and some people have have other thoughts, but they work for a lot of people, especially in secondary markets. Absolutely.
1: I found out it wasn't for me, but I appreciate one specific opportunity that I got from them, which was the first opportunity I got to audition for an animated feature. Which was a dubbing feature, but it was called wow. Richard the Stork about a sparrow yeah. who was raised by storks. And I got to go in to audition for Richard. And that day I woke up, you know, smiling. I got on the subway, grinning. I, I did the audition, beaming, and I left, I always say, glowing like Eddie Murphy in The Golden Child. You ever see that movie? No. Uh, this, this whole movie from the 80s, and he's just glowing. Uh, there's a whole effect around him. Uh. And excuse me, this auditioned at like 24th and 4th or somewhere like that. So it was
0: in person. This was in person wow, so from in, Boys 100-
1: in New York. And I got out on the street and I was walking down to Union Square to meet my wife and I got on the phone with my dad and I said, I think I found the thing I'm supposed to be doing.
0: Mm, wow. And it was, this it was that sort moment. of clear. Yeah. Did Bruce pop into your head? He was like...
1: <laughs> <laughs> he did not He did not But What
0: song would he have been singing If he did pop in
1: your head Oh my gosh What do you think You know Probably born to run Because I had to get out of New York To go to LA To do <laughs> what I really wanted to do And oh. I knew that very clearly
0: Okay Yeah So then What was next You just packed up Uh
1: no Next was trying to figure out How you make enough money To leave New York And move to LA cause
0: Yeah It's a little pricey there Yeah in here uh, Yeah both um, <laughs> Although we have more little pockets
1: I guess Yeah. Of not so pricey. So I continued doing auditions for theater, got pretty close to Frankie and Jersey Boys or the Swing and Jersey Boys who would cover Frankie. I auditioned for those. That creative team a few times actually, but funnily enough, that started to feel in my head like, oh, wouldn't that be a great survival job? Yeah. While I pursue voiceover, did seller? you ever do
0: a work with Meyer Delu? No, no, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah it was somebody I worked with. Okay, it did a little bit of voice acting, but he was on that show.
1: Okay, so while I was there, actually, I wound up booking some commercials for Microsoft, where I played a Christmas elf on camera. Uh, on camera, yeah. which mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. It was a, a co-production with Macy's, I think, and uh-huh. Andy Cohen was on there. They were advertising the Surface tablet, but that commercial that ran just that day and online gave me about 10 grand just gonna like that
0: goodness thank you thank you universe
1: yeah and and shortly thereafter it was the day after christmas that year my grandfather passed away my dad's dad and it really hammered home the idea that you know life is short not a terribly religious person so i'm kind of unhappily inclined to believe that when you're done you're done so it it made my made my brain go oh you get one go round. Hmm. If you're not doing what you want to be doing, what are you doing? And so we took that money, packed up, and I actually went back to do another production of Avenue Q in Phoenix before coming here. Same character, but, yeah, same role. Moved out of New York to there, and then from there to here. Wow. And within six months, I signed with SBB off of the referral of Mary McDonald Lewis, who's playing Ivan in Lightyear. Check that out. Hey,
0: theater's this weekend, I, <laughs> I think, <laughs> think. Yeah, real soon.
1: Or, you know, when this comes out, it was there. Yes. Buy oh. it on home video. That's true. However, this turns out. Make sure you get your digital download. But she cool. gave me a great referral to SBV. They took me on a couple of months after that. I booked a campaign for Cox Communications, which is a cable company, mm-hmm. and got to uh, stop having a survival job. Nice. Which was congratulations. Really great. Thank That's you. That's always a great day. Yes, very much.
0: Yeah. Wow. I mean, it seems like in a way, it's like your career is long, and yet it's just burgeoning. You know, <laughs> just <laughs> bursting with life. Right. It's now.
1: funny because I started uh, working professionally. In high school, in the mm-hmm. summers, I would I would get paid to do theater. Like my senior year, I think was the first time I got to do that. And so I've been a working actor in some way, shape, or form mm-hmm. for 18, 19 years, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny to like start getting traction in the last couple of years, right? And it's it's that yeah. feeling. And I think Kevin Hart might have said it years ago or something. Yeah, it took me twelve years to become an overnight success or whatever. So hundred
0: percent. And then <laughs> as you're like, see, I told you, people, I knew it. I mean, but also, nobody else I
1: wouldn't it, trade. But all of that experience mm. for the world to be able to bring all of that living to the booth now. I, I just think it's incredibly important.
0: Yeah. And so you are the new Ferb in Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! So tell us a little bit about the casting process for that.
1: Well, Dan and Swampy created this show called Milo Murphy's Law after Phineas and Ferb had, had ended its run. And they always intended to have a crossover. And when they were at that point in production, they reached out to uh, the cast and said, hey, do you want to come back? Everybody did except Thomas. Uh, and I, I really don't know the story. I know a lot of you would like to know what's the T on that. And I know none of it. I don't know if it was scheduling. I don't know if it was preference. Or- I, like, mm-hmm. that I just feel fortunate that then it meant they sent out auditions. And yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> so I got that into my inbox and I listened to it. And by the way, I've been a fan of the show for, for years. Perry okay. has been my text tone since like 2012. Oh my goodness. What's the what's Shout the out to D Bradley Baker. Oh, I can't make the sound. It's the, <laughs> It's their platypus, and it's like it's that like or whatever. Oh, so it is when your that, phone rings, so that's that. that's what my text tone is. is oh wow. it's a, D. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm butchering it, <laughs> but it it came in. I was like, oh, this is actually really exciting, and I love the show. I've watched a lot of it. I think I've got it in me. And there were lines like, God, I wish I could remember. But one of the lines that I wound up having to do for the show, I'll, I'll do. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to say that? It's just that it's been a long time. And so mm-hmm. I, you know, did the whole audition, put that in, sent it, and then I, like a couple of weeks later, I got a callback for yeah. it, which was just a, a reread. I think they just wanted to check like, can you do this again in person? No. And this was oh, just this was a submission again. Can you do this again? And I did. And I wound up booking. And so I went over to it was LA studios just down the road mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And I walk in. And <laughs> Dan is the first person to greet me he goes, wow. Wait, before you say anything. We have a bet going. Are you actually from England? <laughs> oh No, I'm from North Carolina. He goes, damn it. Swampy <laughs> was the only one who didn't think so, which I mean, that tracks really well for me because I'm Swampy has lived in England for mm-hmm. a while mm-hmm. back years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So I just was lucky enough to sort of sonically hit that same space mm-hmm. and understand where the placement was for the dialect. And my wife at the time actually said, if you don't book this one, I don't understand your business. It's <laughs> like she thought <laughs> so it sounded. Yeah. Love those little magic moments. Yeah.
0: So when you do get a voice match audition, how do you approach your?
1: What's your process for that? I will listen to the samples and then oftentimes immediately sort of have a sense of do I understand where this is placing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I would almost always rather voice match a character mm. voice than like a, a normal speaking voice mm-hmm. just because I can sort of hear the placement and, and give my body a trajectory to uh-huh. understand, you know, what's going on there. So if it's if it's voice matching, just, oh, what's one that I turned down? There's an audition for something for Jim Parsons from The Big Bang Theory. Okay, okay. And I okay. listened to it and I tried it and I went, I am alone. I have no idea what to even aim at. Uh And so I I wound up passing on it. I worked on it for a little bit and I passed on it. So generally I'll listen to it, work on it. If I think that I understand the placement, then I will listen to it on repeat and try and really understand, okay, Mm. what's the cadence? What's the, where's he pausing? Why is he breathing here? What's the emotional sort of underpinnings of the sample that they sent? How can I manifest all of that? But I have to feel like I understand where to put it on my equipment before I get to that point because, excuse me, otherwise it's it's just sort of a a lost cause in, in, in my opinion.
0: And do you ever come at a character with a physicality, like with a, a placement or some kind of, you know, do you develop characters just by playing around with where they sit and see what comes out?
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I just want to put something in the back of my face, right? Uh-huh. I'm just going to think that and, and who's going to come out then? And to me, that, that winds up is a little bit gruff, right? Or, you know, do I do I want it to come out of my forehead? And, and a lot of times those are, are smart characters or whatever. And, you know, we can, we can mm-hmm. play with those tropes, those stereotypes or things like that. That. but yeah, a lot of times I will, and I think it's because, uh, I grew up as a singer and yeah. there's so much about placement when you're, when you're working in a choir or, or whatever you're, you're working in voice lessons or, mm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why a lot of where my stuff comes from <laughs> is, is where am I going to put it? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it's fun to play yeah. that way. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of times though, I'll let the text inform me. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm one of those actresses. I'm just a tremendous fan of writers. Yeah because if they have done a great job my job is so easy yeah. all I have to do is listen to the writing yeah and it takes care of it it takes care of it
0: wow that's amazing so um now you also worked with Meredith Lane mm-hmm. on uh Dota Dragon's <laughs> I Blood I know I love her too I get to work with her on It's Pony for Nickelodeon okay so very in- different show though uh-huh. It's Pony is a comedy and yeah tell us about Dota
1: that was is it just got announced for a uh, uh, season three <gasps> just the other day which is Great, yeah, good for them. Three, that's um, good.
0: Hey guys, this is Allison Packard. Sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to let you know that if you like the show, please, please, please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get heard by more people. Thanks so much.
1: Meredith brought me in for just some some like one-off character. <laughs> One of my favorite stories that I've been able to grab from for my career actually comes out of this. And they brought me in and, and it was just a, a character. He was called Medico which was really just his title. And I said, well, what would you like? And I was talking to the showrunner, a guy named Ashley, and he was like, well, you know, it's from this group, so it's probably a bit of a Scottish thing. I said, okay, so is it Scottish-like? Maybe like an Ian DeCastica, right, who's uh, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because that's that's actually a a fairly easy to understand Scottish dialect as opposed to, like, if you were really to get into a proper Scottish, a lot of American ears just cannot hear it. (laughs) He's like, yeah. <laughs> okay, great. So I went in and, and did that for the session. <laughs> give me and give me a shake. You know, like, thank you so much for coming in. Da, da, da. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me, Meredith, blah, blah, blah. And then they brought me in again. And I thank you so much for having me back. The character's now called Maddox. He goes, yeah, now you have a name. You acted your way onto this show. There's going to be a lot more coming to you. And I went, oh, thank you. That's a very nice thing for you to say. I was uh, sort of like taken aback by the kindness of his of his comment. And I have so appreciated working with them. They're just lovely people. And Meredith has brought me a couple of other other projects, too. Like she brought me in for young Vesemir in uh, The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf, which was Mm. the anime feature that they did with Studio Mirror for Netflix. And that was that was a blast, too. Anytime I get to work with Meredith is such a treat
0: yeah, yeah. maybe award-winning right <laughs> Maybe award-winning so now it's interesting to hear you know so you have this experience both as a dramatic actor and as a comedic actor do you find that you gravitate towards one over the other this is
1: an interesting <laughs> question uh,
0: uh, er, should we say honestly er,
1: I love that you can er. you can learn a lot about a dialect and like their vowel placement just by the ways that they say uh er, yeah um, A-l- er. A-l- <laughs> a- <laughs> that's, that's what sticks in my brain with er. but I think oh boy I think I think I probably gravitate toward bigger characters. That's what. It's fine. Um, that's <laughs> what sort of. Tends to get me hired, which it's ironic because you know Ferb is such a soft spoken fellow and it's it's just a very quiet voice. And and when I'm speaking to people and they want to hear it out in the world, I tell them, yeah, get in a little close, because I'm not gonna be able to project and, and have it have the same effect. Uh-huh. But then there's a character yeah, yeah. that I do for Ridley Jones, which is basically a bastardized Edwin without the lisp, right? Uh-huh. Because if it was Edwin, you'd have the you'd have the sort of this test treatment, right? And that's how I auditioned it initially. And when I did the callback with Chris and the team, she was like, Can you do it without the list. But I was like, yeah, of course. So he's a big character. He's got a lot of neuroses, and he's a lot of the comic relief at times. And when I get to do that, I can often sort of feel the energy from the other side of the glass. Or now that we're home, like the other side of the screen.
0: Uh huh.
1: I was in a session for something else recently that unfortunately I can't talk about. But I'm doing a couple of really big characters for. And one of our showrunners goes, "Why are you so good at this?" And I said, "Because <laughs> uh, how do you answer that question, right? <laughs> like, what are you going to do?" Uh, I studied well, a lot, and uh, I'm just
0: crazy, There's incredibly a lot of blessed. In my head.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, I was sort of at a loss for words. she said, "Is it because you have so much fun?" And I said, "Honestly, I think that's it." Mm. So when I'm doing those big characters, I get to have so much fun, and I think that it translates. Yeah. yeah.
0: What's it like working with Chrisney? I a love Chrisney. A dream.
1: Chris is is one of the just work titans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of our industry, right? And and she such a warm warm person too. She's got, it's funny because she's, she's incredibly kind, but she's also direct mm. and it, not everybody knows how to navigate being direct and still qualifying as kind. Mm. I appreciated every session that we got to do together. And her encouragement throughout all of Ridley Jones was just second to none. Such a, such a sweet, sweet person. We will message occasionally on Twitter and she's always just got the kindest things to say and, and sweet, like, man, this coffee's coming back. She's She's just so very, very supportive mm-hmm. of her casts and her teams. My God, the way that she loves her teams. Look at her social media and mm-hmm. you'll see yeah. just the support that she has for her writers, her writer's rooms, her artists, all of that. And that translates to her voice cast, too.
0: And the impact that she's made on an entire generation, mm-hmm. including, you know, diversity and what she's done for casting and authenticity in casting mm-hmm. and the the roles she's created. It's just really inspiring. Well, I mean,
1: like, I, I encourage everybody, check out We the People. You want to mm-hmm. learn a little bit more about how, like, our government works. We the People was such an ambitious project. Mm-hmm. And they essentially wanted to do a civics lesson, right? And sort of rethink the idea of what a schoolhouse rock version of that mm-hmm. would be. And they killed it. It's so, so good. Beautiful. If you haven't watched it, if beautiful. you haven't watched it check it out get on it
0: yeah thank you for sharing that yeah. now i know you also have done a lot of dubbing and i think you did a lot of anime in new york city
1: uh yeah i did some i did some pokemon and yugioh nice. and then was I that also, oh yeah Definitely. Were you a
0: fan of Pokemon before?
1: Yeah. Oh, I grew up on it. Yeah, I mean, I was of the first generation of like middle schoolers who got, for their Game Boy, they got either Pokemon Red or Pokemon Blue, and then you had your cable, you would connect <laughs> the two devices, and yeah. you could trade back and forth. Can you do your character? Oh. Do you yeah, remember? Uh, I think Nihei was just me, uh, but a little younger, a little energetic. He was a, a ninja from a, a mountain clan. Nice. You know, uh, what was it? A Venusaur, Vine Whip, go! Like that kind of Uh-huh. That kind of thing. <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly, it's been a years now, sweetheart. It's been a few years. Did you pop into
0: dubbing kind of with the plan? Like, did uh, you, was it easy to pick up for you? Or? Yeah.
1: I mean, it, for, for okay, me, it they was kind
0: of throw you right in a lot of times.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: You're like oh, three beeps, and then go, OK, OK. Uh, where, where do I look? Where do I? <laughs>
1: so before that, I did this off, off Broadway show called Nothing But Trash. And I worked with a guy named Rory Max Kaplan. Okay. And his dad is a guy named Kip Kaplan, who runs a studio called Audio Works out of New York. Okay. And Kip is sort of old school New York. He's a personality. And <laughs> he ran a, an interesting an interesting ship, right? He didn't have beeps. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> and he would get all sorts of different properties, things that, you know, you and I probably would never have heard of. But he would just say, and go! <laughs> and she would do it. <laughs> and, um, I wanted so badly to get it right the first time each time uh-huh. for various reasons but we don't need to get into that. And it was my sort of trial by fire. And it made me get very good at that specific part of our industry very quickly. So by the time I got to Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, I felt spoiled. they like, Mm-mm. go on the imaginary fourth beat. I was like, wait, I'm going to have a chance to have a lead up and like take a breath and <laughs> Oh, very cool. <laughs> very cool. So yeah, dubbing, I took to dubbing pretty quickly, fortunately. Mm-hmm. I think it's an incredible space. Very technical. Very technical. It is honestly one of the hardest things to succeed at in our industry. And it's why I think you see a, a pretty widely varied quality level. Because mm-hmm. it is, it is difficult. And when yeah. you're when you're really good at it, it can be insane to see. Like there are shows like Death Note, I think was a really, really successful dub. My Hero Academia, I think, is incredible. That's that comes out of Texas with the Funimation. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, some of the Netflix things that we see, some of the live action, some of the features, some of the features. Yeah. You can see when it's really, really good. But
0: it's tough to stay focused and be in the moment with the characters when you're listening for three beeps and also watching for lip flaps. Absolutely. It may or may not be timed out. Uh, Do you have any uh, tips for staying focused?
1: Ooh, interesting. Don't pay attention to your phone, honestly. (laughs) Like, I know that seems like a, a sort of trite thing, but if you are going to your phone in between takes Mm -hmm. or or anything like that, it's really easy to lose sort of that energy continuity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I suggest that for pre-lay as well.
0: Yeah, that's pretty, for everything. But I can see, you know, and especially I think just I've heard like the more comfortable people get with it, then the more the phone comes out. Sure, (laughs) Especially everybody's working from home and there's constant distractions. But See,
1: I'm I'm such a nerd for this job. Like I know know from doing work that I don't want to be doing Mm -hmm. versus doing work that I love that I'm the guy in the group record who is just Yay! the whole time. The whole time. I'm not sitting down. I'm not on my phone. I'm like paying attention to what everybody's doing because I'm so enamored with our industry.
0: And that's how we learn, right? Oh. We, group records are the best training out there. How I know you miss I, Yeah. <laughs> yeah when we I'm switched, like, David another human. We're here in the same room together.
1: During the pandemic, when we switched from group records to individual records for Ridley, it was such a bummer because, mm. you know, I would go into these sessions and... Was that at LA Studios you said? Uh or? This one was at Studiopolis over on Colfax okay. and Ventura. But, you know, to my right, I had my buddy Tyler. To my left was oftentimes Ashlyn, who's another pal. And then right next to them was Bob Bergen and Lorraine Newman. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, yeah, let me just learn. <laughs> I'm going to learn everything <laughs> yeah. that I can. And just and such staring. An teacher, too. Yeah. He's such a um, incredible of I miss teacher. it. I miss it.
0: Yeah. 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 What do you do these days to stay fresh? Is it just auditions and bookings or do you
1: do improv or take any classes? Honestly, to to stay fresh, a lot of times it's devouring content Mm -hmm. and not just animated stuff. But I will like during the pandemic, I decided to watch Doctor Who, right? Mm -hmm. Because it still gets trotted out by people on the other side of the glass. And they're like, you know, just like like the doctor. He's a kind of crazy, but he's a good crazy, right? (laughs) This guy that you're playing today is kind of crazy, but it's a bad kind of crazy. Uh-huh. So let's, let's do that. I'm like, I have context for that. So I'll do that. I've just gone back to start re-listening to Talking Tunes, Rob's podcast, just because hearing those stories inspires me so much. Like I, I love getting the chance to hear what the people who came before me mm-hmm. faced and how they got through it. And of course no this podcast, you're to listen to this podcast. Well, of course,
0: of course. <laughs> Come on, I wouldn't come on if I didn't think it was worthwhile. Episode with Rob, actually. I
1: will, I will. I do take classes when I can, particularly casting director workshops, Mm -hmm. things like that. That's how I got to know Meredith through Voice
0: Actor Network. Yes, Voice
1: Actors Network. Mm -hmm. I swear by because they vet their guests, their students, and I am a firm believer that you can learn from everybody around you.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: However, I will say it is nice. Yeah, it's nice to go to these classes and know that I will be learning from people that are sort of of a level. Because sometimes, you know, when you're in there with more beginner level talent, they can learn from you sort of outbalances what you can learn from them to some degree. Although (laughs) there's also times when, you know, I've been in, in a beginner's workshop and I've gone, holy, what a great reminder that I need to, (laughs) I need to be doing that. My goodness. And I wouldn't have necessarily gotten that from, from people who are sort of on my same level.
0: Can you talk about any of the upcoming projects you have coming up?
1: I wish I could. (laughs) I wish I could. Nothing has been uh, announced yet. Keep your ears out in the next couple of months. I'm really, really hoping that, that some big stuff is announced. There's there's something coming out in August, okay. but I have not been announced as a part of it, so there will be something in August that I can talk well, about, we'll, which is a lot of fun. We'd but. love
0: to have you back and oh, um, chat all back. about your new projects when yes. you're out. David, thank you so much for coming on the thank show. You. We appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Stay tuned next week. We're going to have more amazing interviews for you, and make sure to subscribe if you're not already, which you probably are. So, we'll see you then. Bye! Thanks for tuning in to Allison's Wonderland, where we explore the wild and wonderful world of animation and video games. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a review. For more episodes of Allison's Wonderland, please visit us at www.allisonpackard.com See you next week!